This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? the show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hooper. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? Um, I'm here with my guest, um, Yvonne. It's pretty crazy to me how um, just through Instagram, um, we're able to connect and just be able to um, connect with so many survivors. I think um, I think that we interacted through someone, a mutual um, person in Yvonne's life, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was recommended to start listening to um, your podcast because of some things that I was going through. And um, just the stories really um, touched me and resonated with me. And um, I, I think I went through um, almost the, gosh, multiple stories over like a few days just listening. And um, yeah, it just really moved me. And I've just been continuing to listen um, to to all these um just heart-wrenching stories and um, stories of empowerment and strength and been really just moved by, by everyone and just um, really grateful that you've been that, um, that resource for, for all these wonderful women mm-hmm. to share their stories and be that platform. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And each week it's a new story and I'm, on the back end of it, airing a truly a new episode, but, um, there's so much that comes, um, full circle when you have like people who have gone through domestic violence and, um, when they're willing to, uh, really openly, uh, come forward about their experiences, but also like just themselves be willing to talk about it again. Um, because a lot of times it's, I mean, it's triggering, like it's not easy to, um, especially depending on where you're at in your own, um, healing journey, I think, uh, it can be more triggering for others. And, um, so being willing to like come forward and talk about the experience, um, it's opening up, uh, conversation and dialogue for, you know, the next person who's going to listen to this and who's going to say, ah, like that happened to me. Um, or why is that story so similar to mine? It's just, it's really powerful. Um, like what happens um, every time that we record, because I know that there is at some point going to be someone who will come across this story and be moved by it. Um, And so I'm really eager to just hear your experience and your story and just to be able to have, have it like, it's just this space is holding a place for your story um, really. And for people to come back and listen to it and, um, find it. So, um, and I believe that the right people will find it. So I'm just really eager for that. 
Absolutely. Um, I'm definitely um, excited to be able to share this. And, you know, I haven't really talked a whole lot um, about my story. I think um, most of the people that know about my experience have, um, gosh, I, I think they're just really finding out about it now. Um, I'm not for the most part, I'm out of it, but still dealing with it, if that makes sense. Um, and so it's, it's kind of like, um, daily giving this to God and, um, working through that. And, um, you know, I, I think probably one of the things I should have shared in my introduction is I am a therapist, um, social worker therapist. And so, um, what makes this interesting as well is that um, I work with a lot of individuals who not only experience um, domestic violence and sexual assault and all of those things. It's like sometimes hearing these stories, um, you know, listening to the podcast and then listening to the stories of those who I work with and then having my own story. It's like all of this, um, all of these feelings and emotions and, and thoughts are just all out on the surface. And it's just really just trying to keep things, um, you know, um, com compartmentalized in, in a way that, you know, I'm still able to function and do my job and then process my, uh, feelings at another time. And, um, and I've actually, uh, you know, referred, um, some of the clients that I've worked with to your podcast, mm. you know, when they're in that stage where they're like, I don't know what I should do. And I don't know if it's that bad. And, you know, and just say like, let me share this podcast with you. And I think it's a lot of really good information and, and helps validate what you're feeling and what you're thinking and what you're experiencing. And so mm. um, it's been really interesting how all of this has just been really um like a, a very active part of my life recently. Yeah. Well, I think for all of us at some point in time where, um, I think shame kind of creeps in and, uh, we think that nobody will understand or this story is unique to us only. And, um, then, you know, you speak out and you realize, oh, wow. Like, someone else has encountered this too. Um, it may not be, you know, A through Z, the exact story that I've experienced, but, uh, you, you know, abuse is not unique to me. Um, it's happening to so many individuals and it's just not broadcasted, right? Because, um, why would people broadcast their trauma like this? And so it's, right. that's why we're broadcasting here. Um, and right. so, um, it's to validate experiences because sometimes, uh, like you said, like even just in the stages, I think, um, once you move past that point of denial and you start to accept, um, that, okay, like something's definitely wrong, but is it like, is it that wrong? Like, can I still get by with being in this? Am I just overreacting or is this just, you know, a one, one off or is this going to get better? And, I think the more that you hear that, even the outcomes of people's stories um, on here, sometimes I think, I mean, it's truly stopped people in their tracks and they've shared their testimonies. Like, yeah, I heard this one story and I left my abusive ex and now he's my ex, you know? And so it's incredible. 
um, because it's validating people's people's Mm -hmm. experiences. So, yeah. And I, you know, when you talk about shame, um, that is that's so true, because, you know, being a therapist, too, and, and you're sitting here going like, yeah, I should know this and um, I should know all the signs and I should be able to get out of this. And then when you're like stuck in it and you're thinking like, why can't I get out? Um, You can sit there and tell, well, not necessarily tell, I don't tell, you know, use like motivational interviewing and, you know, all these um, Socratic questioning and all these fancy, you know, um, modalities to help someone move into transitioning out of a relationship, you know, in session. Um, but then when it comes to you, you're, you're like, you're stuck Mm -hmm. and you're like, why I, I have all the answers for everyone else. And you can tell them you deserve better. Um, this isn't safe you're modeling this for your kids. Um, The cycle is just going to get worse and it's going to go from emotional, mental, verbal to physical and, you know, create a plan to get out. And like, you can say all these things, but then you're like, well, it's not that bad for me. Mm -hmm. And so, so for me, that shame um, was so real, you know, and, um, Domestic violence for me has actually gone all the way back to when I was a child. I grew up in that. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, you know, telling my my own mother saying, well, I would never, you know, allow that in my life, you know, and being so angry at my own mother and almost to the point of being uh, resentful and rejecting toward her because I'm like, I will break that cycle. Mm-hmm. And then when I found myself in it, that shame was so deep that I didn't feel like I could tell anyone. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I actually learned in your podcast, and, and I remember telling my spouse is, is that, cause he would hold that against me. He'd be like, you know, you're so, um, uh, just like throwing it in my face that I share our personal business, you know? Um, But I'm like, well, at least one person needs to know. I mean, people need to know I should not be having to, to carry this in silence because it's for my own safety. And that is something I learned in your podcast. And, and I'm like, no, like I should not have to be in silence. Like I need to share this with close friends because if something happens or, or whatever, like, I, someone needs to know what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, as a, as an individual and as a therapist, I feel like I learn something every day from so many different people, platforms, and, and for that, I'm grateful. Um, it's, you know, I am, I consider myself just, I humble myself and, and, every way I can, because I'm like, we all add value, um, mm-hmm. in this world. And, um, I'm just another person who I take what I've learned and apply it and, um, and take others experiences. And so I think your, um, or not, I think, I mean, your podcast is actually what has helped me open up to my family, mm-hmm. um, and, 
and really share what I've been going through. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm grateful for that. And it, and it hurt my, my family um, because they're like, how long has this been going on? And I'm like, like the, almost the whole 13 years we've been together. Mm-hmm. They're like, what, you know? Um, and so, and that's just this relationship that doesn't include others, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I just, so, you know, I just want to say thank you because you have really helped me to come out of that shell in terms of, or, and come out of that shame and just say, no, I don't, I don't have to stay in silence anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I can open up and trust at least one, two, three people, however many it takes so that I feel comfortable. I feel safe, Mm -hmm. validated and, and loved. Yeah. Um, uh, feeling, feeling like you owe almost, I think, I mean, I think there can be like two different sides to like silence. I think there can be shame and embarrassment, but then there can also be like, uh, like misconstruing, uh, respect for silence when sometimes that's actually like disrespecting yourself by being silent because you're in a sense, like abandoning yourself for another human. Um, when, you know, we have ourselves to to take care of and and care for. And so I think sometimes it can be like either, or, or maybe, maybe it's both a bit of both. Um, but I think, um, I think recognizing, like you said, like, um, that you don't have to be silent and, um, that is not, your responsibility. Um, like I was listening to Brene Brown's podcast and she was talking about, uh, how like someone earns our, um, story and how, um, finding someone to share something really personal and really deep and ugly and messy with, um, that story doesn't just belong to anybody necessarily, but, um, knowing and being able to evaluate the people in your life that have earned that place to know that you're going to receive a compassionate response. And I really liked that because I think for me, that was something I didn't necessarily go about. Um, well, I think that uh, there came a point where I was like, um, isolated and didn't say anything to anybody for years. And then I almost like spitfired it at anybody who would listen because I was like just trying to get validation that I was yeah. making the right decision, you know. And once right. you get courage to say it, then you just are like, it's it's I mean trauma response, right? To like yes. really just uh, overshare. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm really challenged by her work and recognizing like, okay, who's earned like my vulnerability. Um, because that's, that's not reserved for everybody. Um, right. and, you know, for those listening who maybe haven't spoken up, even if it doesn't have to do with, you know, specifically pertaining to domestic violence. Um, and we're all carrying things, um, that have happened to us at some point or time. And if we haven't shared it with somebody, I think just that's something that really changed 
my perspective is recognizing in your life who has earned that vulnerability and being aware that like who you go to, if, if, you know, they may not be able to uh, demonstrate a compassionate response. It doesn't mean that your story isn't valid. It just means that they may not have earned that place to, you know, show you that they can be truly compassionate. And so I think um, in sharing that, I hope that in your own life that people have demonstrated compassion, because I think that can often scare a lot of people into not wanting to share it at all. Like I think you like test out the waters to kind of see how someone's going to respond. And then depending on that, you kind of like give a little more. And I think it can be really challenging to it's hit or miss. I mean, some people have luck with it and they, you know, people are responding in a, in a way that is loving and caring, but sometimes not. And then it takes them a whole nother, so many years to say something because they're being invalidated about, about their experience, you know? Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, some of, uh, and, and that totally happened with me, you know, once I finally just like, um, opened up because what, what was finally happening for me is that, you know, people would say like, Oh my God, you know, you guys are like such the perfect couple. Like you guys are so beautiful together. You're so photogenic. And like, I would just sit there sometimes and I would just want to like scream Mm -hmm. and like, and tell people, you don't even know, like this is, this it's all fake. Like you don't even know how, like our relationship is and you don't even know what he's done, you know, and the, the emotional, mental and verbal abuse. And, and I mean, he put, he did shove me once. Um, and, uh, which was like devastating to me. Um, but then, you know, all the other stuff that he, he had done and then he would threaten like, well, if, if you don't do this, then I'm going to leave, you know, constantly threatening that very foundation where I found security Mm -hmm. in the relationship. Um, especially given my history of trauma as a child, um, was like, he knew what those, uh, what those triggers were for me, but yeah, I was just getting to the point where I'm just like, it's all a lie. Like you guys don't know, like you think it's so perfect and you think he's so great and he's not. Mm-hmm. And, um, so finally, when I, when I opened up about it to, to my family, then I felt like, oh, this, like, weight was lifted off me. And, and yeah, I was like that. I would, I would say like, let me tell you like what's really happening. And I remember even telling my, um, like my primary care knew some things, but when I really opened up about that, um, he was just like, I want you in therapy. Um, and so I had to do like STD testing, um, you know, and all kinds of other stuff, because the other thing that he was doing was having, um, like affairs on me and, um, and stuff like that. Mm. And, um, and so he would just, and he goes, and I want you to get a lawyer. He goes, and it's time for you to file. And I remember, like, I, I told my, my husband that, and, um, he was like, oh, so now you're telling everyone. And I'm like, no, I said, he's my doctor because we have the same doctor. Mm. And he was like, Oh, so now I need a new doctor. And I said, he's speaking to me as any doctor would talk to their patient and taking care of their patient. 
I'm like, it doesn't have anything to do with you. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was just like targeting specific people where I knew that I would need their help. You know, my doctor, my, um, you know, my, my pastor at my church, you know, talking to him. And I remember even talking with, um, you know, we, we did go to marriage counseling, uh, at, at my, at our church at one point. And, um, you know, we, we did that for a while and then we didn't go. And then, um, when, cause things had gotten good, you know, at one point and we were or gotten better. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't cursing at me and telling me like really horrible things. Um, and he, we were both serving at the church and, you know, I remember even my oldest daughter telling me, um, who's actually the one that, that, uh, referred me to your podcast. Um, but she even told me, she's like, wow. She was like, um, you know, my husband, she's like, he, gosh, he's made such changes, you know, like I really see the changes in him and, you know, and that had to have comforted her too, because she was in school and she wasn't here anymore. And, you know, her two younger siblings were still in the home. And, um, and so when he turned around and cheated again, and, you know, things started getting bad again. Um, she, she didn't know to what extent. Um, she just thought, you know, he lost his job and, you know, um, maybe there was some bickering because her siblings were telling her like, you know, they're arguing again and, you know, whatever. And um, I went back to the church and I said, look, I'm like, this is what happened. And I couldn't meet with the one pastor that we had been having marriage counseling with, but I met with one of the other assistant pastors and he actually cried. Mm. He cried. And I'm like, holy cow. Cause he was the very first one in the very beginning. Like we were talking divorce within our first year of marriage, mm. 13 or 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so to have an assistant power to have one of the pastors actually cry, I, I was like, wow, like, I guess it's that bad. Like it wasn't even mm. registering in my own brain, yeah. you know, that it was that bad. Yeah. And so when I finally met with the head pastor or not the head pastor, but the pastor that we had been counseling with um, and to hear him saddened by it all. And he was like, this breaks my heart. He goes like, I'm so sad. He goes, I'm sad. He goes, I can only imagine for you. And just hearing like, I think I was so normalized to it. And that I was like, oh, wow. Like they're responding pretty significant. Like this, this must be really bad. And I'm like, I know it's bad. Like I'm hurt, but somehow I had dismissed it, you know, and but I think for me, it was like, well, he's not hitting me. It's like, yeah, he tells me, he curses at me and tells me really bad things, but he's not hitting me. But I know verbal and emotional and mental abuse is bad, but yeah, it was just, it was just so weird how my brain just, yeah, like normalized it or, or minimized it. I guess it's more minimized it, you know? And, um, and then comparing it to like my parents, I was like, well, I mean, that was really bad domestic violence. That's not like this, but my dad didn't 
like tell my mom mean things. It was just when he was drunk, he was beating her. So like, I was really just trying to compare it and trying to understand like, how was mine different? Mm. And, um, really trying to understand that. Like something that I feel like is just very prominent in is one of the largest um, catapults for, I think, abuse to be hidden and uncovered is that like, I don't think we're talking enough about emotional abuse. And I think uh, a lot of times, like I, I'll never forget, like um, more recently, I think it was on this um, season, one of the guest speakers had said, I didn't identify with the girl on the poster like the girl on the domestic violence poster, like I didn't mm-hmm. identify with her black eye. And um, it, that really like was came full circle for me because I was like, I think a lot of times people who are experiencing um, abusive relationships that don't pertain to like hitting um, or, you know, something physical, they don't, they don't know if they're being abused and they don't even know like fully what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't really like put a name um, to it. And that's because we're not talking enough about emotional abuse. And I think, um, there's like so many categories that, um, like classify as emotional and psychological abuse. And I think if we focused more and had more prevention on like, okay, this is what psychological mental, emotional abuse is, and this is the effects of long-term lasting abuse and how this can manifest in one's body, I think that we would take it a lot more seriously and Mm -hmm. we wouldn't wait, right? And feel like, well, like he didn't hit me or like, well, like it wasn't like this bad or, you know, um, almost like waiting for the black eye until we like leave, like as if that is like the deciding factor Um, Mm -hmm. because it isn't. Um, but I think because we can't see the actual bruises on our body, it's a lot harder to defend like the fact that you're being abused or to even get people to understand fully what is happening. Um, and I think, Mm -hmm. I think just like listening to your story and I mean, you're, you know, you're saying that it started early on in within the first year you were considering, um, considering divorce and then 13 years later and you're sitting with this pastor and you're considering divorce and it's like, you know, I don't think that divorce is necessarily the answer right away for, you know, it just, I think it, mm-hmm. every situation is different and every situation. And, and so I, you know, I, it, so whoever's listening to this, I'm not saying that you need to stay with somebody who's abusing you. I'm just saying that divorce, like just throwing that card around isn't, isn't the answer. Um, because we're all going to have struggles and, and difficulties, but there is a difference between like an appropriate, healthy, like way to handle, um, something. And even, I mean, behavior that could be learned from, you know, how they were raised or maybe they struggle with anger and, you know, it's, it's, but it's counseling, it's accountability, it's Mm -hmm. things. It's not, you know, tossing the problem and not dealing with it and not reading the book and not going to therapy. Like that's not, that is not what I'm saying. But, um, I think like one of the curiosities I have in just what you've shared thus far is kind of just like, 
when did you really realize that something was wrong? And what was the point for you in those years, like where it hit you? Like, okay, like, I think that like I am being abused and like, I, I don't think that this is, this is not safe. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, and just to clarify, you know, um, when, when the divorce word was thrown out, it's being thrown out, it was never from me. It was him. Um, and so, and I, and I realize that, you know, I mean, all the listeners, you know, may not be Christian. Um, so I, you know, definitely want to be respectful and mindful of that. Um, I realized early on with him, you know, dating, um, that we were not equally yoked. Um, and I turned a blind eye to that. And so I, I read a book a long time ago uh, from Pastor Skip Heisick from Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque, that talked about um, talked about that. So I feel like, um, you know, I, I I feel like I'm kind of um, feeling that you know now not being equally yoked, um, my husband. But so when I really recognized. Um, that it was abuse is, I think it was, um, it might've, oh gosh, I don't even, might've, I think I, I would have to say it was probably more so in the last maybe six years, five years, um, that I really started resonating and telling him that what he's doing is abusive. And, I don't know if I identified with it back then, um, but I really started um, really putting it together for me or really started putting, yeah, putting like all the pieces together because in the beginning, um, I mean, he would, I mean, he left our, me and my kids, I have three children um, and they're not his. And he left us one night. He just said, I'm leaving. And he, you know, threw some clothes in a bag and he left and, um, I was so heartbroken and I, to this day, I regret, um, and it still kind of breaks my heart, but, um, I had to put my oldest daughter at 15 in a position where, um, her and I had to sit my two younger kids down and tell them that he wasn't coming back. Um, and so, I don't feel like I should have put her in that position, but I didn't, I also didn't feel like I was strong enough to do that alone. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was a heavy responsibility and I, I regret that. Um, and so, uh, that was hard. Mm -hmm. Um, but when we, they would, they would hear us arguing and, uh, but he would call me names like the B word or tell me to go F myself, you know, get the F out of here, you know, and, you know, and stuff like that. And, and more so when like the kids weren't listening or I thought they weren't listening. Um, find out now is like my kids, when they were all at home, uh, they would hear us fighting and or arguing and my youngest daughter um, would go in my son's room and she'd be like, I can't sleep because mom and then my husband would be arguing. And then he'd be like, we're just staying here until, you know, they're not arguing anymore. Or they'd go in my oldest daughter's room and she'd be like, well, you guys can just stay in here. 
here until they're not arguing anymore. And, you know, just thinking back to that and like what I put my kids through and um, there was a lot of name calling, a lot of name calling. And then when he left uh, just the things that he would tell me and, and then tell me like gaslight me and say, well, you didn't do this for me sexually. You didn't do this for me when we were together and that's why I cheated on you. And what did you expect? And, you know, not taking any responsibility for what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, stuff like that. And then it just continued on. And, uh, so then I felt like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm not enough, but then I was like, well, maybe I need to change who I am and what I do for him. You know, he was into pornography and all of that other stuff and trying to push that onto me. And I didn't feel right, you know, doing any of that. Um, and so, but I, I, I tried so I could please him. Cause I thought, well, maybe that's why he's cheating, you know? And finally I put my foot down, you know, probably, halfway through or more than halfway through the relationship. And I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like, I don't feel right. Like, I feel like you need that in order to, um, like, I don't know, be attracted to me or, or feel like I fulfill you and it shouldn't be like that. Like I should be enough. I'm your wife. And, um, and so then I felt like the relationship just really started kind of dying out at that point. Um, And then uh, there was uh, like a time too where um, he, he started kind of, or he, he stopped telling me those things like go F yourselves, you know, get the F out of here and stuff like that. But I remember one time I did reach out to the, the women's ministry at my church here in uh, you know, where I live. And, uh, and I talked to her and she was like, that's not okay. She goes, you need to remember. And it was something that stuck with me. It was so profound. And she was like, and it seems so simple, but she was like, you are the daughter of the king. Mm. You don't deserve to be spoken to that way. It's not okay. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, like, yeah, that's right. You know? And so I remember one night we were arguing and, you know, by now my kids are older. My oldest daughter's moved out. And I don't even know if my son was still here. He's off in the military now. But um, so I remember like he was telling me all those things again. Like, if you don't get the F out of here, he goes, I'm going to F and pack my stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the F out of here and, you know, and stuff. And um, so I remember, you know, I it was the first time that I finally stood up to him. And I was so scared, like my legs just felt so weak because I worried that if I stood up to him, like he would hit me or shove me or whatever. And that was just more from my childhood experience watching my parents. And he was across the bed on his side of the bed. And I stood and I told him, I said, you don't have any right to speak to me that way. I deserve better. I said, I am the daughter of the king. And he looked at me and he laughed at me. And he was like, oh, he goes, so you think you're that tough, huh? That you're strong. He goes, because daughter of the king. And I said, I am. He said, I am. I said, and you can't speak to me that way. And he, he just looked at me and he was like, yeah, okay, whatever. He's like, leave me alone. And he didn't, 
it was interesting. He told me to leave him alone, but he didn't curse at me. And I told him, I said, I will walk out of this room. I said, but you don't get to talk to me that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And I walked out and oh my gosh, I was so like, I was shaking. Mm-hmm. I was shaking and I, but I felt so good because I was like, I stood up to him. And from that point on, I always stood up and I would tell him, you don't get to call me that. Mm-hmm. I am not the B word. I am not that. I am someone who has feelings and you can't talk to me that way. Mm-hmm. I don't call you names as mad as I get. I still treat you with respect. Yeah. And throughout, it doesn't, I mean, the, through the, out the whole 13 years that we've been together, like he left me July 23rd this year, he, he walked out. Um, and so, but throughout this whole time, like I didn't, I didn't curse at him. I didn't call him names. I think the biggest name I called him was a jerk. I'm not, he called him a butthole. Um, but I just like, cause I was at my limit. Mm-hmm. But like not the names that he called me. I didn't, you know, any of that. And there was one time he told me something and he left. And I mean, I was just sobbing in the living room and he came back and he actually actually apologized to me. But he, mm-hmm. apologizing to me is not something that he would do or does. And so, um, but just then I started really just looking up domestic violence and reading about it. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like he does that. He gaslights me like I, there were times where I thought it was going absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't I, I didn't say that. Like, I didn't do that. No, like no, I that is not my fault. Like, I know I'm forgetful. Like, I will joke all the time. Like, I have squirrel brain, but I know I did not say that, or I know I did not do that. Like that was not my fault. Mm -hmm. Um, but, or he would say, well, there's, you know, three sides to every story, my side, your side, and then there's the truth. And I'm like, no, like it is, it is not true. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was after his last affair, um, which was right before COVID. Um, he literally created a Tinder account. Um, cause his, his MO is like, he'll have one sexual affair and then multiple online affairs going on. And he met this girl on Tinder. He was working out of town a lot. And, uh, he, the, the sexual affair was a, a girl in the town that he was working in. And, um, they, uh, started this relationship and then he hired her to work for his company. Mm-hmm. And, um, I guess she told him something like, well, do you recognize who I am? And then he was like, I don't know. So then they maintained this relationship. So she was his subordinate and she got fired for something else, but she thought he fired her. And, uh, and if that wasn't the case, well, she immediately went to HR. And so of course he got fired because he was the the program director. Mm-hmm. And I stood by him. I even called HR to try to get his job back and said, Hey, like, you know, he's, he's getting into therapy. He's getting back into recovery, you know, his program. And like, I was defending him and I'm like, what, you know, I look back on that now and I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, why was I doing that? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but then I told him like, you have one year to, to go get help. 
and figure out why you keep cheating on me and then like blaming me for it, you know, cause that breaks you down mentally. Mm-hmm. Like, what did I do like to deserve this? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this girl taunted me. Oh my gosh. She taunted me. She sent me a preg- positive pregnancy test and everything. <laughs> it was oh. Horrible. Um, and so, um, after a few months, if that, he stopped going to therapy, he stopped engaging in his 12 step program. And so then I eventually, after I gave him more than a year, I shut down. It was the trauma response for me. I went numb mm-hmm. and, um, I moved into a different room in the house and, um, and now it's my fault that he fell out of love with me because I moved into another room. I didn't show love and affection. Um, but I'm like, Ellen, and I treated him poorly. And despite how much, you know, I explain that it was a trauma response, you know, um, for me, because of all of my history that he uprooted, um, you know, I, he could have reached out to me, but he can't take responsibility for any of his actions. So when he said he was going to leave, it's called flooding because all my emotions came forward. Mm -hmm. And so now it's just like, I want my husband back, but it's like, it doesn't even make sense because he's not healthy. He's toxic. Mm -hmm. And so it's just been um, this roller coaster of stuff. And, and then the mental and verbal abuse continues. Like he'll be nice, but then when he gets irritated at me, he'll tell me things like, I don't want you. I don't want to be married to you. You know, I don't, uh, I don't want, I don't like the institution of marriage, you know, like, can't you get it through your thick head? You know, like if I'm so toxic, then, you know, and, and I'm so bad, like, yet you're still around, you know, and, and I'm like, wow, like, who says that to somebody? And it's just, so those hurtful words continue. Yeah. And, and so I recognize all that. And, and to top it all off, he teaches domestic violence. He works for a domestic violence program. You know, it's beyond me, but that's, that's that lack of insight to the, you know, the extent of his lack of insight, but, but now it's finally learning and reaffirming and validating my worth, you know, that he's broken down. And I've always been a confident person, but that's where that psychological abuse comes in and emotional abuse. And, you know, you, you, they break you down mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, and, and just this last weekend, I went to church with my daughter and son-in-law and went for prayer because I'm like, sometimes I would question, like, am I enough? Mm. You know, am I loved? And, and I know, like, I can't tell you how many nights that I, when I sleep, I'm sleeping, hugging my Bible saying, God, just be my husband, hold me mm-hmm. because that's how broken I have felt because of what he has done and what he has told me. Mm. Um, And with no remorse, no regard for my feelings, um, my children, 
um, and uh, like coming into my life and just like my son calls him dad because his dad was physically abusive to him and I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, how, how did my, my life where I thought growing up in an alcoholic abusive family, how could I have missed all of this mm. that I've experienced in my life? Mm. Like it just be like right under my nose yeah. all this time. Something that, um, something that like I've learned, uh, through healing and, um, I did this trauma course, um, through Cornerstone LifeWorks, this, um, it's, um, counseling services that they provide here, um, where I live. And, um, you know, they talk about how, like the way that we see love portrayed when we're younger, um, often is mirrored, um, in our relationships as we get older, if we don't unlearn, um, maybe an unhealthy, like reflection of love that isn't actually love. And, um, so for example, you know, uh, if you're in a family where, um, love is a lot of like earning and um, it's earning love. It's not like an unconditional or love is, you know, abuse and love is, um, you know, passive or whatever it could be. Um, like as children, like we don't recognize and we don't, we're not capable of recognizing like the difference. And so like love is right. Passive love is earning love is, and that is love. Like my parent is showing me love or this person showing me love and it's mirrored as it's mirrored for us. And then um, subconsciously, like we choose relationships or we seek out relationships where, you know, we pick people who we have to earn their approval from because we're like trying to heal this like child, this inner child who didn't receive that as Mm -hmm. a child and, um, and, or like, you know, being in something where in a relationship where there's, um, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, maybe like self, you know, someone who's chipping away at like your self-worth and confidence. I think, um, if you're, if that's not modeled, like for you as a child, like, and you know, someone's not affirming over you or affirming over your caregiver. I think it's, it's really, it makes it really challenging. And it's like, where do you catch that for people? Like, where can we catch that so that, um, it doesn't replay and play out in different ways for, the next generation, because it's like, how, how can we get a hold of that before it starts? Um, and that's something that I don't fully understand yet, but really am like fascinated with and passionate about, um, and feel called to like dive into when somebody, um, chips away over time, um, at your 
like worth and value and is also at the same time leveraging um, abandonment, uh, that's a really scary thing. Like, because if that hasn't been something that like, it's really hard to um, come to terms with and fully understand, like if you experience a really um, unstable life growing up and really seeking that like solid ground where it's just, it's not shaking. Like it's, if you know that it's going to be there when you come home, it's going to be there when you go to sleep, it's going to be there when you wake up, like firm ground. And when somebody is constantly leveraging that and using that to uh, control you, right. Which is what he was doing. Um, Mm -hmm. it, in a sense, like it, it, I mean, it, binds you to this person because there's that fear of abandonment um, as a child. A big question that I just have for like myself, for you, for so many other people is like, where do we catch it? So that like, cause it, I think as you like, will like learn and heal more. And I know you're a therapist. So it's like, I'm talking to a therapist. I'm not even a therapist, but I'm like, as you like as yourself, like reflect more on your own journey. I think like, as I have, and as many others have, like, I think some things that I've become fascinated with within my own like self journey is like seeing certain ways where like those, like I repeat, I've repeated things um, from the way that I was raised and things that I swore I'd never, never do or never be like, and never, never succumb to, or, you know, like, and then here I am married to mm-hmm. somebody who literally is doing those things that were done to me. And so it's like, it's frustrating and I can just so relate and like compassionately, like understand like that kind of full circle moment of like, I, I never, I swore I would never be like this, or I would never tolerate Mm -hmm. somebody treating me like this. And then you like look in a mirror one day and you're, you know, X years old and you're like, here I am. I'm I'm my mother. (laughs) And it's really hard to come to grapple with. And I think, um, I can just so resonate and I have so much compassion for that. And I think um, my biggest question is like, where do you think it's most helpful for others um, to kind of like stop that in its tracks? Because if not, it, it I think it does repeat itself time and time again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, I, I think really where it, you know, the, the best thing that a person can do is get into therapy. And, and so I know that, you know, that sounds, you know, kind of cliche and that like, oh, just get into therapy. You know, we, we grow, when we grow up, you know, sometimes um, we do have that obvious, like, you know, grow up in an alcohol or we grew up or we had some kind of um, childhood sexual trauma or, you know, those obvious types of things. But sometimes, it's not so obvious. Like, um, you know, you hear about like that middle child syndrome, right. You know, or something where it's not so obvious. Um, and, or maybe, you know, some other not so obvious type of, uh, thing that, that maybe you experience bullying. Bullying is another huge one. Um, so I think as parents, you know, for our children recognizing that, but as an individual, when, if you've experienced things like that and you know that emotionally that impacted you and maybe you carry that one being truthful to yourself, if you can't be truthful to yourself, then you can't be truthful to anybody. You, and so, um, 
that is, I think that is one of the most important things um, to do and recognize that, that like, you know what, I grew up with this, this really impacted me, this changed my mood, I noticed I started withdrawing at this age, that age, and I want to talk to somebody. Um, School counselors are really that frontline defense um, in many, many ways. Um, And well, parents really ideally should be, um, you know, and hopefully parents can create that open door um, for their children. Um, And if parents can't be that, like I recognize that sometimes we have that general generational trauma where, you know, they, they didn't have that open door, um, you know, kind of mentality. So they they can't be that for their kids, but at least if the kids can go to a a school counselor or a mentor, uh, a pastor, a youth pastor, you know, someone, so start talking. Um, and, and then from there, you know, just continue to do that. Um, I did that, uh, actually. So back when I was in, um, I want to say maybe junior high, a, um, kind of where my journey began junior high, a, um, a counselor, a therapist from the city. Cause I, I grew up in a small town, um, where I was about like an hour away from the, the big city. And so, um, uh, the counselor came to my school and they, she did like this, um, presentation on date rape. And she said, after she did her presentation, she said, uh, if there's anybody that's ever experienced date rape or, you know, any kind of sexual assault or molestation or anything like that, and and you want to talk, um, we'll make some time afterwards and go ahead and come to the front office. There was such an outpour of, of students that needed that, that she actually came to our school uh, I don't know if this, I'm assuming the school paid her something um, or she did it pro bono. I'm not sure, but she came once a week to my school to offer therapy to the students that, mm. and I was one of those students. Mm. And so that's where it began. Um, because I, because of my um, sexual um, childhood, sexual trauma, I hadn't seen my perpetrator until one Christmas when I went back home from where my dad was at. I saw my perpetrator and all my memories, again, that flooding, all my memories came back and I became suicidal. I think I was uh, 12, 10. I don't, I don't even remember. I just took a bunch of pills in the cabinet. And of course I just slept and woke up. I never told my mom. I don't even think to this day, my mom knows. Um, And so, but I couldn't handle uh, everything I remembered. And so, um, but with that counselor, I was able to open up and talk about it. So that's where my journey of therapy began. And then I, I graduated from therapy. And so I've been in and out and I thought it was more about my sexual trauma than it, than anything else. Um, and I kind of bypassed the whole domestic violence And I mean, I knew it impacted me, but I, I didn't think to what degree. So I kind of ignored that. And I think where, because my thing too, is like, I'm going to break the cycle. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to have those unhealthy patterns of behavior, but 
See, I was focusing on the physical abuse, not the mental, emotional abuse. You know, it was like what you can see, but you can't see those internal scars. And so I, I known a little bit more, or we talked a little bit more, like you were saying earlier, like having that awareness about emotional abuse or psychological abuse, where I, I feel like there is a little bit more discussion about that, not to the extent that we need it. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe I could have done some work there. Um, because you know, what I, what I saw, um, no kid had, should ever have to see, um, my childhood was robbed because of the abuse. I made sure that my brother, uh, we had a couple of foster kids for a short time. They got to live, um, their childhood. And I stayed home because I was the oldest, um, to make sure that my dad didn't kill my mom or kill and then kill himself or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, you know, I had to take care of them and let my brother do what he was going to do. So I was robbed of all that. Um, and so it, it, until my dad got a hold of me, once my mom moved out and my dad got a hold of me, um, because I looked like my mom, um, it took my best friend, uh, getting, talking my dad out of letting me out of the house because he's going to keep me in the house. He was drunk. Um, otherwise I was going to jump out the back door and just run. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have a scar in my hand from when my dad got me that night. Uh, and I never went back, but, um, I think that I could have done work in that area because now that's all coming up for me. And so now I'm doing work on the domestic violence piece, but there would be nights where I would wake up like screaming because I would remember what happened between my mom and dad. And there was a, while my spouse was still in the home, um, he got angry because when he gets angry, he'll like slam things or, or just get like kind of aggressive. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was, and I think this was a turning point for me too, about the, just his abusive tendencies. Um, and he would say things like, if you think this is bad, you should have seen when I, uh, you should, you, you, if you would have known me when I was drinking, then you would have known how bad it is, but this is nothing. And I'm like thinking, no, I don't think I would have wanted, <laughs> would have wanted to know you when you were drinking. I don't think I would be around. Right. Um, but he was slamming a cabinet door and he had gotten irritated at me about something. I asked him about something and he was like, you know, I can't believe you, you already effed up my morning, you know, and you know, how dare you F up my day already. And so he was mad. So he's slamming cabinets and I just felt like my legs go limp and my body started shaking. So I just went in. Uh, the bathroom, the spare bathroom that I would get ready in. And I shut the door and I locked it. I grabbed my phone and I put uh, worship music on and I locked the door. And then I heard him try to open the door, lock the door. And I said, I did. And he's like, why did you do that? And I said, because I don't feel safe with you right now. And I'd never done that before. Mm -hmm. And um, he was like, he goes, what? And then he was like, I, I'm not going to hurt you. And I said, I don't know that right now. 
so I finished getting ready. And then I finally, when I calmed down, I finally came out and he came up to me when he was calm and he goes, I would never lay hands on you. And I said, it didn't feel like that at the moment. I said, and I just needed to keep myself safe. And at, that was a, a realization during that time that I started noticing similarities between my spouse and my father. Mm. Like something in my head was just, things were clicking for me. And I'm like, whoa, like this is crazy. And, and some acceptance and allowance and enabling and my personality is similar to what my mom was allowing. And I was like, this is not okay. And I think that's when I started making some connections. And then I was like, I, I think I need to leave this relationship. And then that's when I went to church and I started talking to my pastor. And he was like, I think it's time for you to go. Like, if you need to hear that it's okay, he goes, he has already broke the covenant of your marriage mm-hmm. on more than one occasion like from a biblical standpoint, like the Bible doesn't, you know, condone or endorse or support divorce, but only in one case. And he's already broken the covenant. He goes, if you need to go, especially to keep yourself safe, he goes, you can divorce your spouse. And so I was like, okay, that's what I needed to feel okay. But my emotions weren't like my emotions weren't coming along, you know, Mm -hmm. and so I was struggling with that already. But then I was still in that like numbness and that trauma mode. Right. And then when he decided to leave me, um, that flooding happened and everything just got confusing for me. And again, he was already talking to someone else one week before that happened. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I know that those tendencies are there. So if I stay in that like wise mind, you know, and say like, okay, I logically, I know that this is toxic and this is not okay. And I have these emotions, but I know what I need to do. Um, or I know what needs to happen and I need to stay out of that. I do fine. And I remember, um, God's word, you know, this, this weekend in church was um, the freedom of forgiveness. And, you know, thinking back to like, here, I, I thought I had forgiven him. And, and I don't know that I really did. And I think that that was um, heartbreaking to me where I, whereas I know that I need to forgive, like, it doesn't mean that I am going to forget what happened. Um, I can't live in that, you know, not being, not forgiving him. Um, and at the same time, I don't have to excuse what he did. Um, and I know that he is an abusive person. And, um, and I know when he says things like, you're just being overly sensitive, you know, I'm not being overly sensitive because he is being an abusive person. And that fear that I felt that day that I needed to lock myself in that room or in that bathroom, there was a reason for that. That Mm -hmm. was something inside of me, a memory. 
a stored memory that, that came up for me. Um, that, that was protecting me, whether or not he would have done something or not. Like, I, I don't, I don't think really logically, I don't think he would have done anything, but I don't think, I don't think my body felt that. Like, I don't, I didn't feel safe. And the time that he did shove me, it was in a different house we had. I was trying to talk to him. It was when he was packing his, his bag to leave me. I tried to talk to him and I stood in the doorway. I'm like, can you just talk to me? And he was like, you know, get out of my way. And he shoved me. There was uh, like built in uh, shelves and he shoved me into the shelves. Um, and that was like the first time he had ever, first and only time he had ever shoved me, but I was, I couldn't believe it. But then he flipped it and he said, it was my fault because I blocked him in hmm. that I should, I felt like, or he felt like I was um, blocking his uh, pathway and he doesn't like when he feels trapped. Hmm. And I was like, but you have control of your behavior. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm, I mean, he's like five ten, five eleven, and definitely heavier than me. I'm like, five, two. And at that time I was maybe 120 pounds. Mm. So, and he's like 220 and five eleven, five ten. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. That he had to shove me into, you know, shelves. Mm. And I think it, I mean, like you've said it before, but it, it only, um, it only gets worse and it doesn't get any better. Um, right. And I think that's always the hope that like we cling on to while we're in it, because like you said something earlier throughout the discussion, like you said, like, or throughout the podcast, you said um, like, why, why did I defend him um, and go to call his boss and, and, you know, try to get his job back for him and, or, you know, try to defend him. And, and why would I, why did I do that? And it's like, well, cause you, cause you loved him, but also cause there's a trauma bond. And so, yeah, like there's also this, this bond that's like, a, like associated with it. But, um, I think that, um, belief and want that like some, it's going to get better. Like it, it does not get better. Like you are not the exception, right. you know, you know, whoever's listening or, you know, you are not the exception, like it, accountability and, and, uh, therapy, um, can help, um, somebody who, you know, has abusive tendencies and who, you know, is addicted to pornography or, you know, whatever it may be. But, um, if somebody is like actively, abusive and is not following through with like the protocol to get help, like the proper help, um, it's only going to get worse. And right. it's only going to go in the direction of like physical abuse if it hasn't already. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like, um, and so I think like, anyways, just hearing like what you're saying, I think it's just like, I know that it wasn't like your decision to end it, but I feel like it, this phrase, like I'm hesitant to even say, like, I'm trying to think of my words. Like I'm hesitant to even say like, oh, you, it's a blessing in disguise. So I'm like, I don't really feel like that's like the right, that's not the right wordage, but I, I feel like it's so hard to leave. Um, 
that I think that whatever way that someone's able to leave is a blessing because mm-hmm. um, I think it's for you um, while it wasn't like you're active, like he's, he, he made that decision. I, I wouldn't put it past him to come back at some point, but I think that's where you're having the opportunity right now to do the work and have people rally around you and behind you and know your story so that um, if there's ever an opportunity again where um, he does come back, um, you are able to firmly stand on those words. You know, I am a daughter of the king and not be swayed by yeah. uh, the, you know, uh, doubt from him. You know, are you? Are you really? You know, and you being able to to really be affirmed in that. And also whether it be him or it be, you know, another relationship and, and another day and you start to see abusive tendencies and you're able to identify those sooner um, because you have the tools now. And I think that's something that, um, like I really, I really like felt um, compelled by, and like I think is um, something that I just feel um, like I should say now to you is like I think, um, like I know that throughout this podcast episode, like that um, there's been different points where I feel like maybe it's unspoken, but there's this feeling of like. Um, I should know better or like, why did I let this go on for so long? Or I've had, I've, you know, why did I like, why couldn't I see this sooner? And I think that something that um, someone helped me with one time is they told me like, you didn't have like the, the proper tools and understanding, but like now you do. And now that you're like working through an actively like actively like working on your own trauma and understanding like what happened to you and what has happened in your abusive marriage and you're able to like have those tools now it's up to you about what you do with those things and I think that that's something like for you within like your own um healing journey is um now I mean I know you're a therapist but I think like when you're in it and you are in love with the person and they're you know it's you're in love it's a person that you are bonded to it's your that's the person that you chose to marry and be with and commit to for the rest of your life. Not feel like just for you, um, having like this space to be able to heal and this space to be able to, um, like really dig through, um, like the domestic violence portion and to be able to kind of like really just build your foundation up so that nobody can ever take that from you again, where they say, well, if you don't do this, like I'm going to leave. But like that foundation does not move depend. It's not dependent on like anything or anybody else. Like you have that foundation and nobody can take that from you, no matter whether or not they leave. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And you know, something you said earlier, um, that really just struck me when you said like connecting that, um, you know, like that piece to, you know, the, the child part of you. Um, I don't remember exactly how you said that, but it, it reminds me, I had a session with my therapist where, um, we did that exact thing where, um, kind of connecting to like, what is that abandonment? What is that feeling that I'm having? And why is it so painful for me? And it's, it, and it is, it's going back to that younger me and saying like, you know, 
I'm not feeling safe. I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling abandoned. I'm feeling fearful um, and trying to resolve that. And how am I going to do all this on my own and trying to resolve that? And what do I tell that younger child now? Like, you don't have to worry anymore. I've got this as an adult. Now I've got this. You can do this now. Um, You've done it before, you know, been a single parent and, and everything. And, and you're absolutely right. Doing that work um, in domestic violence and understanding it more and setting that firm boundary um, is definitely something I'm working on now. And the interesting thing is after I did um, like my childhood sexual trauma work, um, I was getting ready to start doing EMDR on my, on the domestic violence portion with my, my parents. And I just never got to it. And I feel like, you know, had I done that, maybe I, maybe I would have been a little bit more prepared. Like, I don't know. Um, but you know, it's neither here nor there I'm here now. Um, and it's not too late, you know, it's never too late. Um, and so now I have the opportunity where I'm doing that now and working through, the, all that domestic violence and processing through that while processing through my own type of abuse. And, um, it's really interesting because, so right now I work with, um, so I have, I work, uh, with veterans with substance abuse and trauma. And I also have a private practice where I, you know, see, you know, all kinds of, you know, all different other types of disorders. And I have a a pretty young clientele and uh, sexual assault, but also I'm seeing domestic violence and um, that sort of stuff too. And so, um, so I I get to see that realm, but one of the areas that I'm really wanting to um, get into at some point is uh, working with like, uh, um, Oh, my God, sex trafficking mm. and helping to restore um, those who got caught in that in that realm. And so I I often think like everything we go through um, just helps build us to that next part of our life. Yeah. And um, and so I think this is just preparing me for something, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of a painful <laughs> thing to go through you know, and at the same time, it's giving me an understanding of, you know, different, um, different types of abuse or different types of pains and traumas and and things out there. And, and I really do feel like, I don't know if I, honestly, I shouldn't say I don't know. Honestly, I don't think I would have had enough strength to leave my spouse if I had to do it. Um, and I think that him leaving me really just took that hard decision off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I know that sometimes God does things and removes people from our life for certain, you know, for whatever reason, you know, to pave a way for what he's got in store for us. And that's sometimes like the way I see it, you know, um, 
now he's like living this, you know, he wants to be single. He wants to have his freedom. He wants to meet people. And so I, you know, he's definitely living a different life now. Um, and so I, he's not the person that I, I married and, you know, I've, I've had my moments where I walked away from Christ and done my own thing and thought I could, because I thought I could do life better. Um, and then when I fall flat on my face, I come back. Um, and so for this marriage, I was very committed, you know, to making this marriage work. And, um, and I think one of the things, you know, when you talk about trauma bond, we definitely had that because he also has his own childhood trauma history. And so because I thought he has this in him, like he can overcome all this. And so I think I was working harder than him to get better. If that even makes sense, like you can do this like you and his father was very mentally, emotionally, verbally and physically abusive. So when I look at that, like it makes sense that he is the way that he is. However, that being said, he also has a degree in the field, psychology, and work, has worked in the field for several, I mean, I don't know, 10 years or so. Uh, um, but like he should know all this. And yet, you know, going back to like what you said, like you have all the skills now or all the education, all the you know, knowledge, now what are you going to do with it? So he has all that. And if he's choosing not to use it, you know, to me, I look at it like he's choosing free will. Like he knows about God. He knows like we would go to church together, you know, but I think like, were you pretending because you know what my, he, he knows the strength of my faith. And what's really interesting is like all of our friends, which he will remind me that they are really his friends. But for 13 years, they were our friends because I don't, where I currently live, I don't have any family or anything, which I am moving back to my hometown um, because of, because of all this, you know, um, where I have support um, and my family. Um, But his friends, they know how he is. And they're like, one thing that, you know, we love about you, that we will always be here for you. He can't tell us not to be your friend. He can't tell us like that we can't talk to you because we know your heart. We know that you're a good person and none of this was because of you. And that to me is so validating because like all of this is like he's trying to put on me like it's my fault. And although sometimes it still gets in my head. That, that him leaving is my fault, that him not being in love with me is my fault because I, it was self-preservation. Like I had to protect me because when he has these affairs, he's not protecting himself from whatever diseases these women have. And then he brings it into our home and to me. And, um, and, and I've, I've had consequences because of his actions. What? Like, do you, what would you say to somebody who is listening, who is in an abusive marriage and who has children and they've Mm. been like for a long time with their abusive spouse, what would you say to the person listening? So one of the, the things that I would say is definitely, um, 
start creating a safety plan and an exit plan. Um, how dangerous, well, and well, create a support system. You need to have a support system. Uh, create a safety plan. You know, like if for some reason you have to get out of the home, um, you know, who, how are you going to do that? You know, have money stored away somewhere, spare key, set of clothes, even if it's, you know, hiding it somewhere on your property or, you know, somebody's house um, that you least that he doesn't even know, like create a, develop a friendship with someone who knows your story, knows what you're going through that he doesn't know who it is. So he can't find you. Um, there's a, you know, there's also domestic violence, um, like organizations out there. Um, but definitely do that, but create a support system that like you could call somebody, even if you were to have to get like a burner phone or something and store that somewhere. But, um, definitely do that. Try to minimize how much your children see or hear um, of what's happening. Um, that's not always possible, but try to minimize that. Because, um, you know, get into therapy too, individual therapy. Um, we don't really recommend marriage counseling unless um, the the other spouse is willing to to do that because that can sometimes trigger anger and then you go home and then the the abused gets abused more um but individual therapy to help build up that empowerment and resilience and um awareness to the abused um but that's that's kind of like what i would do get the kids into counseling because they need support too um, maybe even let the school know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and I, that can kind of be tricky too, because, you know, DCS could get involved, um, depending on how bad it is. Um, but maybe again, a trusted person or maybe one of their friends. Um, so because you, not every woman's going to be ready to just pick up and leave. Um, and so, um, gosh, making sure there's no weapons in the house. If there are like, try to, I don't know, hide some of the gun locks safety, just try to spin it in a way. Like I'm concerned that, you know, the kids might get a hold of it. Um, that sort of thing. Cause that can always be a scary thing if they turn and get a weapon, but you definitely want to build that empowerment and strength and the abused so that um, they can get to the point of leaving. And if they get to the point of leaving, they have a plan, but they need to know how to get out of the house at some point if, you know, if they can. Mm -hmm. you know, um, sometimes they like to try to, um, the abuser likes to try to like, kind of like keep hostage or not let them leave. Um, and if that happens in the middle of the night, you know, if they can just like have a grab bag where they have spare keys, like if the abuser takes the keys or 
blocks the accounts or something like they just cash or something to at least get a hotel or something that's untraceable or at least put gas to get you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of thing. Um, so that's kind of what I would, I would say, um, because she's going to, you know, the abuse is going to need to build that resilience and that strength until she's, she's ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yvonne, thank you so much for, for sharing your story. Um, I think that I'm just, I mean, yeah, I'm every time really eager to share stories, but I, I learn so much from like each story and I gain insight and wisdom into my own marriage, but also, uh, I think I just get eager because I know that it, every story is so different that I'm like, it's, and just know it's like another story that's going to impact a different crowd of people. And so, um, I'm just really hopeful for this. For some reason, this season has been a bit different in the sense that each, um, guest has, uh, like we're having a very uh, different age ratio this season. Um, like there's just like, we had someone who shared like their middle school abuse experience, which I've never, I mean, we haven't talked about that thus far. Um, like how young it starts Mm -hmm. really like the abusive tendencies at least. And, and then, you know, now Mm -hmm. we're talking about, you know, a 13 year long marriage. And so it's the, the age ranges are very different. I'm, I'm just really looking forward to that and really looking forward to, um, just being able to have like different conversations and then hearing like the ways that people are, are moved by your story or resonate with your story even. Um, because I think someone hearing your story could be in a 20 year long marriage and be like, Whoa, this is my story, you know? And, mm-hmm. and it may be what they need to hear in order to get out. Um, it's happened before on here. So it's, I mean, it's, I'm really expectant. So I'm really grateful that you, we're willing to just like share your story and uh, thank you thank yeah. you i i really appreciate that and prayer is just something that i've just been heavily leaning on thank you so much for being here for all the women um that you're reaching you know through your podcast and um and just being that that voice and being that light for mm-hmm. all of us to to Hey, what was her name? I just wanted to come on here and just say thank you, um, truly from the bottom of my heart, um, just for listening to this podcast and supporting um, every single guest who comes on and shares their story. Because if it weren't for people listening, um, there would be no reason to use this platform to speak because the whole point is to you know, empower women to feel heard and listened to. Um, And so just seeing the fruit after the last two seasons and receiving messages and DMs that have been flooding my inbox of women who have left abusive marriages, men who have put themselves in counseling because they've recognized abusive tendencies families who've been able to better support their families, um, you know, family members who are um, currently navigating and battling an abusive relationship. I mean, uh, you know, this podcast has been something that 
in a way I think is um, reaching a lot of people, but also has uh, just, I mean, changed my life um, in such a beautiful, big way because, uh, you know, I I hate that abuse is a thing. Um, and that sounds silly to say that sentence. I hate that abuse is a thing. I mean, obviously we all hate it that this is a, a thing, right? But uh, to be able to be on this end and to uh, see the tangible like use that God is using from every single story and every single drip of every single painful, traumatic event and for others to be able to like almost like magnetically cling on to that and then to kind of like drag themselves out because they realize like I'm not alone in this like this happened to somebody else these are patterns this is not you know this does not have to be my life because look at the last you know three seasons of women who have left and who have rebuilt their life and I think that you know if I had heard somebody say to me you are being abused and like this is not all that there is for you Uh, your best days are not behind you they are ahead of you but in order to get there you have to leave you have to take the leap of faith and you have to trust that leaving is going to be the best thing for you it's going to be the best thing for your child and it's absolutely it's scary as hell but to be able to see other people who are making that decision that brave courageous decision to leave an abusive relationship is um, something that is, is a catapult for others to be able to leave as well. And I am just like filled with gratitude that people are listening to this and, and every single share, um, is connecting somebody else who may need to hear this podcast. And so I want to just thank you, um, for sharing this podcast, whether it be on your Instagram or it's personally DMing somebody and sharing this and texting it to them. Um, if this podcast has impacted you in any way, shape, or form, um, I would ask that you would um, rate this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcast because the more people that come across this and are able to see the impact that it's making on others, um, you know, the greater reach we have. So thank you again for listening to What Was Her Name and tune in next week.